Today I want to talk about something that was found in the, in the second reading today. The second reading is coming from the Apostle Peter, the first Pope. And he says, quote, Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'll say that again and then I'll start to unpack it. Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All right, first part, be built into a spiritual house. Be spiritual people. Remember, demons are spiritual too, so not that kind of spiritual. Not pagan, occult, you know, by magical power, spiritual, but by heaven, by God, by Jesus Christ, the Blessed Virgin Mary, your guardian angel, the angels and saints of heaven. Be that spiritual house. So don't just be completely lost in the things of the world, but be very conscientious of the spiritual realities and align yourself with God. First piece. The second piece, be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. A holy priesthood? What are you talking about? I'm not a priest. I'll talk about that in a moment. Let me talk about the sacrifices first. To offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, what does God mean by spiritual sacrifices? We know what sacrifices are and how necessary they are. For example, if we want to achieve anything good in this world, there's a designer body, we have to eat right and exercise. If we want a great career, well, then we're going to have to go to school and do whatever we have to do to achieve this great career, etc., etc. All the good things, we want to learn how to play the piano, we've got to practice for hours and hours and hours. Whatever we want to achieve in this life that's good is going to require sacrifice to do it. So there's that sacrifice where we're putting ourselves out for some good for ourselves or others. But there's also the sacrifice that's just simply given to God for his sake. God, this belongs to you. This is why I'm making this sacrifice. It's because I owe you this. And we owe God our sacrifice. Our sacrifice to God is actually life-sustaining. And with no sacrifices on earth to God, the human race would end. We'll get into that in a moment. But we have to make sacrifices to God. So to thank him, just think, okay, you created me, you sustained me. Here's my sacrifice. I give you something for that. If somebody else in our life on earth provided housing, clothes, food, transportation, all that, at a very minimum, we would owe them thanks, right? We'd owe them something. So we owe God. And what we owe God first and foremost is sacrifice. I give you sacrifice. All right. Sacrifices to God are done because it's owed to him. It's also done to praise God, to love God, to adore God, to worship God. Sacrifices for God are also done to achieve some good end on earth. Like, dear God, I really want to help my spouse. They're a mess. This bad thing's going on. I really, by your grace, will you please help them? And I'll offer sacrifices to you, God, for them. There's that. And then there's, lastly, atoning for sin. We have to make a sacrifice to atone for sin, to do penance, which is another great word for sacrifice. To do penance, to sacrifice for our sins. That's what Jesus did when he came to earth and he died on Calvary, was he made this great sacrifice of nothing less than himself, his divine being, the word of God who is eternal, who comes to earth, takes on human flesh, lets us murder him to atone for our sins. 
because somebody had to atone for it. There's no way into the kingdom of heaven unless the sins could be purchased, unless they could be ransomed away. And the same is true for us. We must make sacrifices for our sins. And we should make sacrifices for the sins of others. Just as Jesus has made that sacrifice for my sins and yours, we too should make sacrifices for other people's sins. We call that penance. That I do penance for me, but I also do penance for you. Because I know that a lot of you don't do penance. And of the more than 70,000 people who live in our parish boundaries, and if only 1,350 go to Mass here on any given weekend, then I need to do penance for the other 70,000 who are blowing God off and will do no penance for their sins. Because when they die, they've got a big comeuppance. When a person dies and they go into purgatory, they can't marry anything anymore. They can't make any more sacrifices. Sacrifices are only possible while we still have breath on earth. But once we've breathed our last, then we will never again be able to sacrifice for God or for ourselves or anyone else. Because sacrifice involves some sort of pain. And we can't will ourselves to that anymore. And so those poor souls in purgatory... And if you're going to heaven and you're not as holy as one of the statues in this church, like John Paul or Francis or Jesus or Mary or whatever, then you're going to purgatory. If we're lucky, then we can't help ourselves there anymore. Other people on earth have to do prayer and penance for us to help us to move us along. Okay. Now what's this thing about priesthood, being a holy priesthood? What's that about? So, priest and sacrifice, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. And it's even tighter than that. There's kind of no separation of priesthood and sacrifice. Until Jesus came and and ordained the twelve apostles, before that, all the way back to Adam, the the role and the responsibility of the priest was to just simply offer sacrifice. With Jesus and the twelve apostles, they also preach and govern too. So sacrifice, preach, and govern. But priests going all the way back to Adam in the book of Genesis, Adam is booted out of the Garden of Eden and he offers sacrifice to God. He knows that he must, he must. If he doesn't, God will take his life. There must be sacrifices going up to God. But because Adam is offering the sacrifice to God, it means that Adam is the first priest. That's right. The very first human being that God ever created was a priest. Because in the Old Testament, only priests offer sacrifice to God. Adam does. His first two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel sacrifices pleasing to God. Cain's isn't. But they're both priests offering sacrifice. Eve isn't offering sacrifice. Noah, after he gets off the boat, offers sacrifice. Noah's a priest. Abraham offers sacrifice. Abraham's a priest. In God's eyes, and in our eyes today, we say, well, the the greatest people on earth might be medical doctors or movie stars or famous singers or or powerful politicians or something. But in God's eyes, it's like the priests. It's like those are the most special ones. Without them and their sacrifice, the human race ends. Then when Jesus comes along, Jesus comes along and he institutes those seven sacraments. And one of those is baptism. And in baptism, every one of us enters into Jesus. And Jesus is the high priest. Priest, prophet, king. He's the 
the high priest. Or whatever power, grace I have in my priesthood to confect the sacrifice of the Mass is coming from Christ. But here's the thing. In baptism, all of us have entered into him. And so there's this common priesthood that all of us share through our baptism in Jesus. And this is what Peter is talking about when he says, be a holy priesthood. He's not talking to just the the ordained priests, but he's talking about everyone who's baptized. You're now part of the holy priesthood of Christ, which means you too can offer sacrifice. Until Jesus came, only the priest could offer sacrifice. But now you too, everyone who's baptized, can offer sacrifice. In fact, God wants everyone to do it now. Not just the priest, but everyone to offer sacrifice to God. Now only the ordained priest can offer the ultimate sacrifice of the Mass, where we enter into the one never-ending sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary for the greater glory of God and the redemption of the human race, making heaven possible for us. Because Jesus is God and he's eternal, he's not bound by our laws of time and space. And so everywhere in the world that Mass is celebrated, we're always entering into Calvary again, stepping through the veil to Calvary as the Son is being offered to the Father. And that sacrifice must happen. If it stopped happening, if the last priest on earth died, we'd all die with him. It goes back to Adam and the necessity of the priesthood for the survival of the human race. So what about these sacrifices? What kind of sacrifices can we do? What is our Lord referring to here when he wants us all to make sacrifices? Well, this gets back again to that idea of a penance, of some sort of thing that, you know, ouch, it hurts, we don't like to do it, but it's for some greater good. And there's great power in penance. And this is something that over the years, it's taken me, frankly, way too long to understand the necessity of penance. We hear that phrase, well, pray. Pray always. Jesus says pray always. But I almost never hear anyone say, well, pray and do penance. But now in the last year, I've started to say that a lot more. I and you and all of us need to pray and do penance. The two go hand in hand. And Jesus goes into the wilderness to pray for 40 days and nights before he launches his public ministry. The whole 40 days and nights is a penance. He's not only not having any food for those 40 days, but no water either. Now don't try that at home, you'll die. But he's God and he can do that. But Jesus suffers horrifically for 40 days and nights of prayer, nonstop with no food or water. It would kill any of us. But it's prayer and penance. And then at the end of that, the devil comes to him and tries to to tempt him into sin. And Jesus can't can't be tempted into sin. He cannot fall into sin. But here's the necessity of penance. And it is powerful. I'd say that prayer is maybe like, you know, um, now the, these days we have hybrid cars. This is just coming to me right now. They didn't hear this in the other masses. We've got hybrid cars and they can really go fast and they can go far and all that. But 30 years ago, a hybrid car would be called a go-kart. All right. You'd ride around in a go-kart. It's a maximum speed, maybe a 15 miles an hour. You know, you put your, well, it's like a bumper car at the, at the fair or something. You put your foot all the way down the pedal. 15 miles an hour is maximum speed. You've got some very limited range, etc. kind of thing. 
Penance is like an automobile engine, a combustible engine with gasoline. How much faster and further you can go with that kind of an engine, with that kind of fuel. That's penance. In my own experience, prayer does X amount. It gets maybe to ABC, but penance is what takes you from D to Z. It's amazing the grace that falls upon the soul who will suffer willingly, willingly for some greater good, for some greater good. Now, if you're going to do it so that you can have more money and whatever, no, God doesn't care about that. But truly for some greater good. And we all know greater goods. For the marriage, for the children, for the grandchildren, for a sibling perhaps, for a dear friend, for one's health, for one's economic stability so that it can provide. For whatever the anxiety is, and all of these things have anxiety attached, stress and worry. If we pray and we put penance into it, it won't take away the anxiety. That's my experience. Maybe as I get holier it will, but so far, no. But man, the outcome is amazing. The outcome is amazing. There's two examples from my own life of me putting this into practice. And again, I'm late to the game on this. So I'm not very good at a lot of different penances that you might be good at. That's another thing, too. We're good at different penances, bad at other penances, etc. Find the ones you're good at and go for it. It will really still hurt because that's the nature of a penance. But I'm, I'm good at, and you've heard this before, I'm good at taking cold baths and showers. I'm, I'm terrible at fasting. I try every week, but I'm 50 pounds overweight, so I'm not very good at that one. But I am good at cold baths and showers. And I think that goes back to my childhood growing up at Stevenson and swimming in Rock Creek. There was this multi-million dollar public swimming pool, the best in the Columbia Gorge, and we went to Rock Creek every day. And Rock Creek was freezing cold even in the summer. And somehow I just got used to it. Not used to it in the sense that it always feels good, but that I can handle it. So imagine what it's like turning on the cold faucet to the bathtub in January doing that as I'm shaving in the morning and getting ready, and then I hop in the bathtub. It feels like knives going through and you just do the polar plunge every morning. It really physically hurts. It's jarring, jarring. But then I rise up out of the water as if I'm resurrected. Like, whoa! That was worth three cups of coffee right there. Holy cow! But getting into that, I put my foot down into the bathtub, and it's like, okay, all right, Jesus, I got this little dialogue. By the time I lay back into the water, I'm on Calvary. Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. And I'm offering that for who? For whatever it might be. For you? I did that all through Lent. Was dear Lord, please, let this Lent and the holy week that it will culminate in bring about a greater conversion for my parishioners. Help me to be a holier man that I might help them. Into the cold bath. Into the cold bath. By the time I got to Passion Tide, the last two weeks of Lent, which was really a bear, a bear because it always is. And I was very worried about that. and still doing the penance for it. Like, dear God, get me through this to Easter. There's so much that needs to be done. And my boat is so small and the sea is so big. And I, I just, I don't know that I can keep up. 
And then there was that mission that dropped in two weeks before Easter. Father Carlos Martin's great mission, but it wasn't planned. It dropped in. And then two weeks before Easter on Tuesday, my brother died. And then Passion Sunday, Donna Corey Gibson comes in, does a concert. And then Holy Week, Wednesday night, penance services, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter vigil. By Easter Sunday morning, I've had maybe five hours of sleep that night because the Easter vigil and finally getting home and getting some sleep, it's maybe five hours of sleep. And I'm walking across the parking lot crying. Crying because I'm exhausted. My nervous system is about to collapse. And I'm begging God, please, please God, get me through, get me through. And he did. By the time the 8.30 Mass was over, I was back. I was okay. And I handled this Mass fairly well. But all of that got me through. And I, and I give the credit to the penance. I give the credit to the penance. There's just terrific supernatural power in it. And then Easter came and gone. And then I get a phone call from the Chancery in Seattle. And they want to they want a challenging conversation with me. And it's about this or about that. I'm not sure what it's about. But I know what these, these are not good. These are not good. And so I need to start re-entering the penance again and then back into the cold showers and the cold baths and other penances too. And I'll talk about opportunities throughout your day to do penances and other penances too. And as part of that, I was supposed to have that conversation with him in a Zoom meeting, no less. And then my brother died the day before and they decided not to do it because it was just going to be, they didn't want to you know, blow this whole thing up. And, and then and then I've been sweating that for weeks and then it turns out they forgot. They literally have forgotten. I think that the penance is just erased their mind and memory. <laughs> whatever they wanted to slap my wrist about and threaten me with whatever, it's just, it's gone now. The other part was this Thursday, the Archbishop was here for confirmation and I knew I was going to have dinner with him or I wanted to, I wanted to have a chance to talk to him. And that was arranged, and we had dinner together. It went very, very well. But man, I was doing penances. Other people were doing penance for me because they knew of that meeting. I was asking people, please sacrifice for us. And it went really well, really well. He had been here four years, and I could not, I could not read him or understand where he was coming from or how his decision-making works. Now I do, and I think it'll be all right. And those are examples that I can point to and go, I can't prove it. But I know that those penances went a long way to make it all work. But what it didn't do, what my sacrifices and yours don't do, is take away the worry. That involves holiness. As we get holier and holier, and more and more trusting of God that whatever the outcome is, we'll still be okay. Then the worry starts going away. The anxiety is greatly diminished. But if you want to reach Z on the alphabet, you want to get that goal, then we have to sacrifice. We have to willingly suffer for the outcome. So how can we do that? As I read through the lives of the saints, here are things that the saints did. Sleep. They'd almost all deprive themselves of the amount of sleep that they wanted. So if they needed five hours and they could function on five, then they'd only give themselves five, not seven. 
Now, again, with whatever sacrifice, whatever penance, make sure that you can fulfill your responsibilities in life because God's given you those responsibilities, that marriage, that family, that job, etc. Fulfill the responsibilities in your state in life. With that said, what sacrifice can be done now to achieve these very important things? Sleep is an easy one. Going to bed on time, turning out the lights, turning off the screens an hour before TV so that we can fall asleep, turning off the screens an hour before sleep so that we can fall asleep when we're supposed to because we have a really hard time falling asleep if we've been looking at a screen within an hour of trying to turn out the lights and fall asleep. Getting out of bed when we're supposed to or starting to get up earlier now so that we can actually pray in the morning to start our day. And that our morning doesn't have to be rushed and chaotic. Diet. Sugar, caffeine, snacking, too much to eat, etc. There's all kinds of opportunity in our diet every day to make sacrifices. Exercise. Some people love it and it just is invigorating. And when you're into it, it is. It's really awesome and you want to exercise. When you're not, it's really hard to get started. But maybe that's something you're like, oh, I, I should exercise. You know, instead of doing it for me, maybe I'll do it for God. Maybe I'll do it for my marriage or my kids or my grandkids or I'll do it for priests in Ukraine, whatever. I'll grab the rosary and walk out the door and walk for an hour. Clothing. You, clothing. I mean, a lot of people do too much shopping for clothes. Maybe it's okay not to look your best all the time. Look your best for God, other than that, and then maybe in the clothing, something that doesn't quite fit right, a shoe that doesn't, isn't the most comfortable shoe on purpose for God. Having background noise on the radio, a recording, DVD, or a CD, or, or whatever electronic thumb drive thing going, either at home or in the car, maybe that just gets turned off, and that's a sacrifice. I'll prepare dinner in silence. I'll drive my car in silence. These are great, little, easy, peasy, right in front of the penances. The screens, way too much TV time, way too much smartphone time. Maybe a smartphone is in every other hour thing. At the even hours, 8, 10, noon, 2, 4, that's it. Those are the only times I look at it. Is there a message? Deal with it then. Put it back down for two more hours. And those are really healthy for us, too. As I read the lives of the saints, I haven't found one that watched television. I I can't imagine Jesus sitting in the couch watching television. The saints spend that time reading or doing something else that's productive or resting and relaxing with family and friends, whatever that might be. So try penance. Try it on. Be a holy priesthood. Offer sacrifices acceptable to God. God will make you into a spiritual house. He'll make you something special. And you'll work with Jesus for the salvation of the human race. And then when you die, someone will pray for you.